The point of this is to provide the best facts-driven show that we possibly can. Ideally, you have a glue guy. Who is good? Hashtag glue guy. Hashtag locker room guy. You can't go sign Bobby Holik to a trillion dollars. You can't do these things. Very satisfying. The absolute best NYR show in town. This is... The Liberty Blue. Liberty Blue. Rangers Podcast. Rangers Podcast. With Andrew Shelby. Andrew Shelby. And Nick Zoraris. Zoraris. Rangers fans, welcome to the best Rangers podcast in town. I am Andrew Chelney alongside Nick Zararis, and we are Liberty Blue. We scream about the Rangers so that you can save your voice. That's how deeply we care about you, and we appreciate that you've joined us for the ride. This is episode 29, live on Twitch, Twitter, uh, and and YouTube, pre-recording this just a couple hours early because of scheduling things, but hopefully our guy Christopher, you know Christopher, we know Christopher very well, doesn't do anything drastic between now and when this airs in a few hours we'll put the full video up on our youtube at liberty blue podcast and the audio version will be available as an audio podcast as well search liberty blue on your favorite podcast platform and it should be there give the show that shiny and illustrious five-star review on apple podcasts it means the world to us and it helps the show more than you think it does at liberty blue pod on twitter and instagram i am at chelney andrew c-h-e-l-n-e-y andrew alongside nick zararis nick z-a-r-a-r-i-s those are our personal handles to follow as well nick happy new year happy new year to you as well andrew that five o'clock game that everybody was violently hungover for <laughs> more, more people were watching the NFL fantasy championships being decided yesterday, but there was hockey yesterday, three games since we last talked to you guys a little bit to dive into, but we're in the dog days of the NHL season. We're just about at that midway point where we're going to start seeing who's going to actually be a playoff team and who's going to fall out. We would like to thank the Florida Panthers for eliminating themselves more or less from playoff <laughs> contention. We are in the first week of January and the Panthers are already in the low thirties for playoff probabilities. So that's one less team. The Rangers have to worry about for as far as the wild card is concerned, but it is going to be tough here. The metropolitan division has a handful of teams that are all going to be in the mix for this second wild card. The Islanders lost last night, looked very bad against the Kraken. They're kind of in a weird spot. The hurricanes keep rolling along who the Rangers are going to see this week. The devils have kind of, come back to earth and are back to being somewhat of a good team as opposed to one of the best teams in the league. The winter classic is like in an hour and a half, which I forgot about until yesterday. (laughs) So where do you want to start, Andrew? Lots to discuss. Yeah. Well, I think we have to start with the, the capitals game here because you take a look at where they were at the time and you, and you think to yourself, and we talked about this last, last week too, where the Rangers needed to not only win this game, but they needed to to win in regulation. This was such an important game in terms of standings. This is your division rival. This is a team that is right with you in points. They like th- this is a this was a must needed win for this team. And not only did they not did they lose, they looked awful for for the vast majority of the game. Look at the Rangers like didn't want to be there. Looked like they just kind of. We're skating around Rockefeller Center as opposed to actually playing a hockey game. And I don't know what this stems from because there are times along the season, and that's not the first time that we've talked about the Rangers' lack of expression of, of want to win a hockey game. There's been times throughout the season where they looked really good, and there have been times where they look like they just don't care. And I don't know where that stems from. I'm not sure what causes that to happen but you would think uh, of all games maybe the rangers would look bad against florida but look really good against washington because again division rival you want you want to beat your division rival all these things tom wilson i know he's not playing but the the history is there you would expect the rangers to to show up for that game but they didn't they just they kind of just they 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 were there physically End of sentence. Like they just, they just, they weren't doing much of anything on the offense and they kind of just left Shesterkin, hung out to dry, got shut out in their own building and they just, and they didn't look good. And I, I it, it, it kind of just baffles me as to where this inconsistency of effort comes from. Sometimes they look like they're involved and they and they want to play and they get and, and they get the cycle going and they're throwing pucks on net and and they get the hustle plays and all that. They look really good. 
And then there's games like Washington where you look at them and you go like, what, 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 what are you doing? Like, hello, is anybody there? It's even worse when you consider the fact that Washington had to travel Tuesday morning to come to New York or in the middle of the night to play that game. And a lot of people will say, well, the Rangers three days off, four days off, whatever it was for the Christmas break, a little sloppy. And yeah, the true, the, the true goal, I'm calling it a true goal. Cause he tipped mm. it into his own net. That was mm-hmm. a true goal. Yep. And you saw it in his face. He was frantically sweeping his stick at that puck. Like it was a broom trying to knock it away from the net and batted it into his own net. The set, I think it was the third Washington goal. Trocek just left the puck in the neutral zone, turned it over. Washington came down and scored on a two-on-one where Truba was the last guy back. Truba didn't step up. He could have had a play on the puck if he had stepped up to either play the shot or the pass. He didn't play either. And then an empty net goal. That's three goals right there out of four. Yeah, you could say a little bit tighter. Probably only one or two of those happens and maybe two-nothing game, a little bit different, four-nothing as far as how you feel about it. But my my biggest gripe, and you were talking about the the inconsistency, and that's one of the differences between good teams and average teams is – and maybe the talent isn't there to be a consistently good team, but there's plenty of talent on this team. And a lot of this, again, stems from mental stuff and execution stuff. That is correctable things. Those are things that are fixable with repetition and clear process and that's what we get so frustrated about that's why it's very easy for everybody to get mad with the coach and get mad with things that are changeable because you can't change the 18 skaters and the two goalies you you can't you can change one or two of them at the most when it's repeatedly execution and attitude and energy that reflects on how the team prepares for things, what they do in practice, what the coach emphasizes and makes points of emphasis during pre-scouting and things for upcoming matchups. That's why everybody gets so mad at the coach. And then the coach does irrational things where everybody can say it was one game, they scratched Lafreniere just to send the message to kind of wake them up, say, hey, you need to sit for a game, whatever. There were like five guys you could have healthy bombed after the game on Tuesday for playing awful. And again, it was a younger guy because Gallant feels you can't healthy scratch the guys who make a lot of money. You can healthy scratch the kids because right. giving them a lesson. I just want to know where was Trocek's lesson for the turnover that directly led to the Washington goal? Where was Truba's lesson for tapping the puck into his own net? It's not that we want the team to play badly it's that if you are going to preach accountability and that everybody's going to get a fair shake here you can't just choose to punish the younger players who aren't making a lot of money and don't have as much influence that that's just not fair and yeah you can say they need to earn it and they need to play better to earn that what would you like them to do they are playing 12 minutes a night 13 minutes a night they are not getting power play time you are asking them to do jobs that are not conducive with their skill sets what would you like them to do? We saw Kako Lafreniere, excuse me, Kako Zabinijad and um, Kreider be one of the best first lines in hockey for the first month of the season. They had one bad game in Detroit, and it took three months to get that line back together, and that line was outstanding against the Panthers on Sunday. It's not just being like fed up with the coach. It's just constantly having the same questions over and over again, and that's why you get tired of the coach. It's not that, do I think Gallant versus insert random Canadian or American white guy makes that much of a big difference? Not particularly, no. But when the same guy does the same thing over and over again, and he can't even be bothered to explain his decisions because we're not it because he, because he knows better than you. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's like arguing with your dad, like arguing with your parents. Well, because I said so, well, Mm -hmm. Gerard, that's great and all, but if you would like to win something, you're going to need these guys to be something for you and constantly messing with their confidence and healthy bombing them over guys who are more established. Those are the guys you need to be delicate with. And this was a real discussion going into the game on Sunday because they lost the two games. They played good against Tampa and we'll talk yeah. about the Tampa game yeah. too. But this was a real like got to a fervor by Sunday of, well, this team has drafted X number of times in the top 10, X number of times in the top 20. What do they have to show for it over the last 10, 15 years? You know, the, the Rangers have had two drafted forwards in the history of the team score 70 points in a season. And the second one only happened last year when Kreider did it. So it, this is clearly not just a these young guys thing. This is an organizational philosophy thing. The thing and. We got we got this argument last week, and I, I posted this on Twitter at Liberty Blue Pod. If you're not following, should do one. You're missing out on some great content there. The we got a tweet 
that was along the lines of, oh, Lafreniere should act like a number one pick if if he wants to be treated as one. Well, and I quote tweeted it and I said this, like this, because the argument is ridiculous. The argument's absolutely asinine because one, Lafreniere's playing his off wing. He is off wing. He's not playing where he's where he's normally comfortable in. He's not getting top six minutes. That's two. Three, he is not getting power play time and he doesn't have a long leash. So like, he is a number one overall pick with none of the number one overall pick amenities. He gets 11 minutes a night, 12 minutes a night. Galan is putting him in a blender with all different kinds of bottom six guys and occasionally top six guys. Yeah. And if he has like one shift, two shifts, and that doesn't work, all of a sudden Lafreniere is back on the fourth line. Like he gets zero of the amenities that a, a normal number one, even a top five pick would get in a, in this situation. He gets none of it. And whenever he's thrown out on the ice, you expect him to score you a hat trick. Like that does, that's not how it works. You have to give your top prospects a, a long leash, more ice time. And the Rangers were in a, a, a weird situation because they weren't expecting to win Lafreniere and they just kind of got gifted Lafreniere. And the expectation for him now is, well, your number one pick, go out there and do hockey things. Well, the problem with going out there and doing hockey things is unless you're Connor McDavid or Sidney Crosby, you need time. You need to figure out, okay, I'm at the NHL level now. Here, I've been doing this in junior. I've been doing this and whatever. And it, it, this is how I tweak it to, to, be, to be really good here. And this is how I adjust my defensive stick where it used to work here, but now it's not working anymore. How do I, how do I change my mentality? Like, there's so many th- little things that players have to adjust when they first make it to the NHL. By not allowing your prospects to the the room to make those mistakes early on and fix them and learn from them and be better how do you expect them to grow as players even even if you are a number one overall player that that Lafreniere is he still needs room to to breathe if if you're terrified of making a mistake because you're going to be sitting on the bench for the next 5 games and you're a number one overall pick then like you're not you're not going to make that play you're not you're you're, you're going to be scared to to, to make a mistake to not get benched. And that's what Gallant right now is is doing with Lafreniere. Like the the dynamic right now isn't working and it's been a consistent throughout not not just Gallant, but for the Rangers for a long while now, where they got top prospects and all this talent and haven't really done a whole lot with them. The, I pulled it up here. This is the just time on ice. This is all situation smoothed out. I mean, Lafreniere is getting less minutes than Kako, than VZ, than Goudreau. VZ and Goudreau, they both kill penalties. They're both usually getting, you know, significant time killing penalties there. That's why they're ahead of him. But again, we've talked about this ad nauseum, and I've spent the better part of the last three years talking about this. It is great that they were able to make the run they made last year. They did not win a Stanley Cup, and they did not. They didn't win a Stanley Cup. They didn't give their their young guys any room to grow into bigger roles. And now that the time has come for those, they need those young guys to fulfill big roles, and they're not doing it. They're feeling the pressure of the situation, and it is why the coach is doing dramatic things like healthy bombing a first overall pick three years into his NHL career. That that is the action of a coach who is trying to do anything to get the player going, but not really. At addressing the problem at hand here, which is confidence and fit. The the Rangers have all of these high-end players, and we've been talking about this all season now. They still have not found the optimal situation and um, excuse me, the optimal situation for each of these guys. They have talented players, but still, Trocek and Panarin doesn't really jive. They don't really click well together. They haven't really figured out what they want to do with Lafreniere, where they want to play him, and who they're going to play him with. They found a good spot for Kako and then took him away from that spot for three and a half months for no real reason, other than the coach doesn't really feel confident in him. Because that's really the only argument for Gaudreau playing on that first line for about three, four weeks, whatever it was that the coach trusts Gaudreau more for whatever reason and that. And the thing that really irked me last week was when Galan said last week, the game isn't for developing. The game isn't for learning. That's what practice is for. You can never get... That's an asinine statement. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. It's an asinine statement. Yeah, you can try to simulate game conditions in practice. It's not the same thing. No matter how rigid you think you run your practice, 
it is not a game situation. You are never you going pl- to get You hear players confidence. say it all the time. Yeah. You hear players all the time coming back from injury. You hear them yeah. always say, you know, we can practice all you want, but it's not a game. So we can't, you know, you, you can practice all you want, but it's not it's not a game scenario. It's not, you know, you're not battling. Like you hear players every day saying that like you can't, you, you can only learn so much in practice. So, so Gallant saying that is ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. And one of the things, and I know I get this a lot from people, and I, I subscribe to this theory too, that coaches say obnoxious things like that so people talk about them as opposed to the players and it takes attention off of the players and it makes it about the coach and it can be a useful tool but every now and then I would just like to hear something out of Gallant's mouth that inspires a little bit of confidence that he understands what the problem at hand is because anytime there's a problem he just juggles the lines and waits for it to get going again and again when you are constantly juggling the lines you cannot get a feel for who you're playing with it is hard to build confidence because you you know, you're one mistake away from playing with different people. And it's really hard to get in. I mean, Lafreniere said it himself the other day about it's been really hard for me to find a spot I'm comfortable in because I've been with so many different people this year. At some point, you need to realize that you're going to sink or swim with what you got. Yeah, you might add one forward at the deadline. That's only going to be for this year. This is more or less the team. Unless they can get more out of these young guys, all they're going to have to show for it are a couple of playoff appearances. Because right now, this team doesn't feel particularly threatening. It's not consistent enough to be threatening. It's you. You don't know what kind of what kind of team you're going to see game in and game out, yeah. and that is at the core one of the biggest issues with this hockey team right now. Is one game they look really good, and and Trocheck could could as as you, as we saw in Florida got that really good defensive play in the power play. Then he won the two on one, and they scored. Right. Like that, that was a really good play out of any Trocek. Like, I would love to see more of that out of him. Please and thank you. But you, there's one that we have that game against Florida where they look good. And then they have that game against Washington. This was the same week. It's like six days apart. They look terrible against Washington. They looked pretty good against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay didn't don't want to be there for half the game. They got one fluky goal, and that was really all they needed. The Rangers got goalied. Listen, it, that like those things happen. The, the Rangers will take that point. They played well, uh, the, and they played well against Florida-ish. Yarrow Halak just played really well, and they kind of stole that game also. Bobrovsky, bad. But just the 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 overarching concern, at le- overarching concern, at least for me anyway right now, is what team is this? Because on one one day they look really good, and the very next day they play somebody new and they look like trash. It's just the same team, same same system, same personnel, same everything. And day to day, you have no idea what you're going to expect when you watch them. It's very very strange, and I don't I don't know how to fix it really because this is this seems like an internal issue. This seems like because if the system hasn't changed and nothing else has changed, then why is there such a drastic change in the way the Rangers approach game day? That to me is the biggest question that I have because it's if if everything else is zero, then why is the answer not zero? It's a fair question. I'm going to pull it up here. This is the shot map from the game against Washington, the pie chart. So one of the questions I often get from people is how come the Rangers lose games where they they have the decided edge and like the deserve a winometer from money puck or things like this, where the Rangers very clearly got shut out. They didn't score a single goal, but they won the expected goals battle. The thing I want to point out about this is the expected goals – the situ they are context dependent. Why, if you don't know what you're looking at, this could be confusing for you. But remember, the Rangers get behind in a game, they're going to start throwing pucks at the net more. Washington is going to take more of a defensive posture. They're not going to be as aggressive offensively. They're going to be willing to concede scoring chances against because they're going to be from low danger areas. And because the Rangers are more desperate to try and score, the Rangers are going to take lower quality shots because they're going to be flinging it from every direction. And that's why you get things like this. That's why the Rangers had almost four expected goals in this game to Washington's 2.6. This is HockeyViz.com's expected goals model. Every website's going to have slightly different ones because they calculate in slightly different ways but for all intents and purposes when a team gets behind big you will typically see them end up winning the expected goals battle because the other team isn't going to be as aggressive 
as aggressive offensively, and that's why you get things like this. Again, when the Rangers play games like this where they look awful, you, you look at the heat, you look at the shot charts and who's taking the best scoring chances and where they're coming from. You're going to see the the ugly guys in the bottom six. You're going to see the VZs, the GOTAs, the guys are, who are going to the net with no real – just they're going to the net because that's the best chance to score from. And you don't see Kreider. You don't see Zabinajad. You don't see Panarin on the shot maps, especially in good areas. you got to – couple that are okay in there you've got some Zabinijad ones from in between the circles you've got a couple Trocheck ones from in between the circles but Panarin top of the circles in the point not particularly dangerous areas you get one Kreider scoring chance from between the circles not particularly dangerous that's the thing oh and we haven't even talked about the fact that the Rangers missed the net an absurd amount absurd amount of time yeah like I get it against Tampa where like it's Vasilevsky so you're really trying to pick your corners but like at some point, maybe shoot for the rebound. Just, just <laughs> at some point, you're gonna have to concede. It's gonna be have to be an ugly one to beat a really good goalie. That that's the thing. And we've seen the Rangers unwilling to play that kind of game because it's not that what their skill set supports. But at some point, again, like we've been talking about, something has to change. You can't just keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting dramatically different results. The thing about what the Rangers are doing as opposed to some other teams. If you remember the Pittsburgh Penguins during their cup runs, the one thing that they would do that Mike Sullivan coached very well in, and they did a lot during the playoffs was they would shoot at pads on the Pittsburgh Penguins on, if they were on an odd man rush, if they were on a break, if they if they had numbers going in the offensive zone, what they would do is a lot of the times if they can't get a perfect clean shot, they would shoot at the at the other leg, right? Like if you're coming down the right right end, you'd shoot at the left pad, or you would shoot at the if you're coming well. You would shoot the you would shoot at the pad. You're that would, yeah. yeah, you're shooting the opposite. I don't listen. It's it's New New Year's haze. I guess I, I don't know. Like you know, but you know what I'm saying. Like like they would shoot the opposite way, so the puck would go towards wherever the rest of the action is. So they would shoot at the pad. The puck would go directly onto someone else's stick. Bang! It's a goal. They 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 did that multiple times throughout the playoffs. If you go back and watch those runs where they won the when they won the Stanley Cup, Mike Sullivan really employed that system well to where they, they scored a bunch of those garbage goals where they really needed one or they were down one or they were, you know, they they needed a goal really badly and that's how they got a lot of their offense. If you try to be pretty and try to pass it or get a perfect shot in a scenario that sees holes for none of those things you're going to get no shots on goal and the puck is going to go the other way that is is one of the fundamental issues that i have with their current system right now is that the rangers a lot of the times force a pass they love nothing more than trying to force a pass on an odd man rush i mean if we had if we had a, a nickel every time they the, these people try to force a pretty pass through two defenders on three hot- on two. We could buy the I team. Oh, I was gonna say afford a hot dog at a Ranger game, but well, that that true. Yeah, well, it's the same price actually. I don't know if you know that, but it's the same. It's, it's the same uh, same price tag. But like the that that's one of the differences that I think needs to be addressed is just to, like you don't have to just read your own book. Sometimes you can steal someone else's page. Sometimes you like you don't have to just write a book and say this is it. That this is all I'm reading, and this is the fact, the truth, and nothing else matters. Sometimes you have to take a look at what other coaches are doing that's working, and and say, hey, instead of forcing the pass, let's try shooting for a rebound that goes the other way, and whoever's skating down that side can just tap it in, easy goal. Teams have been doing it for for forever. The Penguins did a really good job of it when they were really good on when they were winning Stanley Cups and they were on those runs. They got to change something because all these all these three on two, I'm going to pass it eight times and that's going to go this way. And, you know, maybe hopefully get on SportsCenter like, dude, just, just score a goal, score a goal, man. All right. So one thing I want to say in rebuttal to that, this is not a new phenomenon. This has been a problem with the Rangers since Elaine Vigneault was the coach and David Quinn was the coach. They have always been a selective team. They have always been a choosy team. 
I, I don't think that's fair to blame on the system or how the coach wants them to play because they've been doing this for a while now. They did this under David Quinn. The amount of times David Quinn would complain about them playing East-West, like, David, I don't know if you know this, but you're the coach. We are the public. We <laughs> right. cannot change the behavior of your team. It's the same right. thing with Gallant saying they're getting too fancy. Well, coach, you run practice. You run the team. We are the public. We cannot do anything. You being passive aggressive when you're talking to Vince or to Molly Walker is not changing the behavior of your team. If you're, the team is not playing the way you want them to play and you can't get the inspired change you want out of them, that reflects poorly on you. This is the same thing about with him talking about the way Lafreniere has played and some of the younger guys have played. You are their guy. You are supposed to be the one that can get change out of them. And if you can't coach them the way they need to be coached, you need to find someone else on your staff who can work with them in a way they need to be worked with. Not every player is the same. Everybody needs to be managed a little bit differently. Everybody has their own personality, their own strengths and weaknesses. you got to be able to find a way because if you're just going to throw your hands up and say, well, I'm going to healthy scratch him and maybe he'll change his attitude because of that, that's not – there's no guarantee you're going to get the desired change behavior based on that. It's just – it's maddening to see this. This has been the same thing with this organization forever how many times are, are we going to see this team mismanage a younger forward and they put a lot of stock into and take longer than they should it took chris Kreider three seasons to fully break through and then that fourth season was the 2014 season where he, the 2013-2014 season where he finally stuck at the nhl level full time we're going on year. this is year three of lafreniere we're going on to year four at some point you need to figure out what this kid needs Everybody says, well, he's not that great of a skater. You can get by not being that great of a skater if you have other parts of your game. And they haven't developed those other parts of his game. And now they're at a point where they need him to be a 50, 60 point guy. And he can't do it because they never gave him an opportunity to do it in previous seasons. The Rangers for forever now. And this is funny that, I, that I'm, I'm wearing a retro of Vince Carter jersey right now. The Rangers need a Vince Carter in that. They need someone to just be like, give me the puck, get out of my way. I'm going to 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 absolutely just get into the zone and score a goal. Like the Rangers don't have that kind of player. They haven't had one for a long while. They they need somebody that will just give give me give me the puck, get out of my way. I'm not passing it to you. I'm not doing this this eight pass east west whatever nonsense to get to get me on ESPN. I'm not doing any of that. I need the the ball. I mean, in this case, I guess the ball because it's Vince Carter. But like, I need, I need the puck. Get out of my way. I am going to do whatever I can to to put points slash goals on the board for my team. The Rangers have a lot of unselfish to a point type players where they they have a great opportunity to shoot. They're you know in the slot. They're they're deep in the in the faceoff circle. Like they have they have the space. They have the opportunity. And they see three defense. Like they, they see they see a, a defenseman like two forwards like in between them because every team in the NHL knows the Rangers love passing the puck. So ev- everybody is like blocking the pass. And the player that, that has a stick for the for the Rangers is just like. I'm going to try to get the pass through anyway. Let's see what happens instead of just shooting the puck. Dude, just shoot, man. Like it's, it's really maddening. Sometimes the way when it works out, it's pretty, it's a goal. Great. But a lot of the times when they just need a shot on goal, they try to pass, dude, just put it on that. So again, they don't have any shoot first guys. Their only shoot first guy is Kreider. He is the only one on their entire team who is a shoot first guy. Well, I guess even, I guess Truba, but he never missed. He never hits the well, net. So defense, that, defenseman and forward are different. That, yeah, that, well, that's a right, different conversation. Right, that's right, a different conversation. Right. But yeah, the, again, they have assembled this team in a way where they have emphasized certain things. They've been emphasized intangibles. They've been in set. They have emphasized things that don't necessarily translate to goals. They have emphasized a lot of different things. The one other um, trend I wanted to point out before we moved on and started talking a little bit broader looking forward, the defense has gotten better. It's still not great. And it's mostly because the goaltending has improved, but the defensive results over the last couple of weeks have steadied. They're, They're still not great. But the third pair is becoming the low event third pair you would like. The second pair is not getting 80% of the goals against. 
And the first pair is still controlling play, even though they're conceding a little bit more offense than they have in years past. The defense stabilizing is really going a long way because now they don't need five to win every night. Now they only need three or four to win every night. And that might sound like equivocating and being like, it's okay that the defense is bad. But for about the entire month of November, the defense was god-awful. Yes, you would like it to get better so the workload on the goaltender isn't as challenging, but the defense is getting better. That's encouraging. The third pair, I I, I don't think Ben Harper is a long-term solution on that third yeah, pair. I would I hope not. I, 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 the results are getting better. I, I, we have mocked Ben Harper for being tall, and that's the only reason he's in the NHL. That is well, fair. But the results are average. Uh, he okay, is playing yeah. like yeah. a replacement level defenseman, which is all they needed from that spot right. to play opposite Braden Schneider, who is playing pretty damn well. Braden Schneider has played really well, all things considered. The thing That's about the ben, last thing. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the, the thing about Ben Harper is that, like, we, we make fun of Ben Harper because, one, he had atrocious results everywhere else beforehand. And, two, he's playing okay, which is yeah. fine for now. The the Is he the sixth defenseman moving forward? I would hope not. I would hope they get a sixth defenseman that is better than league average at best, at the best of times. Because right now, Ben Harper is slightly below average. If you take a look at the analytics and you take a look at yeah, like how he's playing, he is slightly yeah. below average. For for a fill-in sixth defenseman right now, he is, he's fine. He's, he's, he's not doing bad. The, 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 the problem is, is that if this becomes a long-term thing, like if this is his peak, his floor is... Uh, is a lot of there's a lot of red in in the floor is basically like the, is, he's not he's not an NHL defenseman when he's out when he's when he's playing poorly you do not want Ben Harper on the ice for your NHL team so right now he's playing he's playing well for his standards so he's slightly below average he's he's okay the the thing about him long term is that don't have Ben Harper play on your team long term if you're at the NHL level like you you really need another defenseman that can at 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 the worst of times, be an average defenseman. If if your if your sixth defenseman is at the best of times, slightly below average, it that's just not going to cut it. He's playing well right now, and I'm I'm happy for him. I'm happy he's getting the opportunity to to play at the NHL level again, and I'm happy that he's he's playing decently well and he's playing you know okay and all these things. But long term, he I I doubt that he can maintain this. And even if and even if he does maintain, he's still a below average defenseman. So they 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 still need a replacement there, despite Ben Harper doing everything he can. And to his credit, he's he's holding on. He he's holding on, and that was the biggest thing because Schneider's playing well enough where as long as his partner isn't sinking him, that's really all you need from that spot at the moment. Yes, they probably need an extra defenseman just in case, because you should probably have seven defensemen you can trust that the coach trusts enough to play. Whether or not he can come to trust Zach Jones or Lieber Hayek, that's a different conversation. We'll worry about that a little bit down the road, more terms of playoffs and that kind of thing. But for now, they, they still got to worry about getting to the playoffs because it, it's, kind, it's not as much of a foregone conclusion as it was coming into the season because the Devils are better than everybody expected. The Capitals and Penguins playing like we expect. The Islanders, I still really can't get a great read on them because they're so inconsistent. They're like a really bad version of what the Rangers are where it's really relying on the goaltending and like four guys to score all the goals. That's really all the Islanders are. Like, I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, they were playing Casey Sezikis on the first line last night against the Kraken <laughs> and playing yeah. Mark Barzell on the wing. Yeah. So like the Islanders are trying here, but if – Everything goes well for the Rangers here. You get one other of those teams in the Metro to kind of regress a little bit. You play a little bit better and you just get in. Because I, I don't think you're going to be in any kind of situation where you could talk about winning a division, winning the division, getting to that two seed. You're probably going to be one of the wild cards or that three seed. And yes, I know. Second place and sixth place are two points apart right now. I just don't feel as confident about this Rangers team as I did la about last year's team because the goaltender's not playing like a Super Saiyan this year. He's very good. Igor's still playing yeah. really, really good. But he's not playing like he's the best goalie in the league. And the Rangers' math most nights is difficult, especially and especially if they don't score on the power play. That That's really the biggest difference between this year and last year's team is the goaltending is 
I'd say 80% of what last year's goaltending was. Still very good, top five goaltending. But the power play is middle of the pack. It's 16th. That's not good enough for the team, a team that's below average at five on five. It's been the same issue that we've been talking about for 20 weeks now. This is episode 29 for 29 episodes of just this team can't score at five on five. And if they don't score on the power play, they can't score. Period. They, they, they don't do it. So against Florida, they managed a couple of, of goals because Bobrovsky is bad. There is a couple of two on ones that he gave up goals on that he can't really do much about. He got dumpstered by his, by his own player on one of those goals. Uh, he, when they tried to skate back and he hit Bobrovsky in the head, I'm, I'm glad he's okay. At least, at least he looks, at least, hopefully he's, he's all right. But a couple of those goals that he gave up, those five, the, the five hole goals, I think it was the manager goal was one where he totally lost the puck and bobbled on him. And Bobrovsky's like, oh, I'm going to let that one go. It's fine. And then the Panarin goal that, Somehow, like it was, I think that I think the puck went at three miles an hour, and still Borowski was like, "Ah, I'll get the next one." It's like I, I don't know what what Bob was doing on those two. Also, by the way, gets paid ten million dollars, but that's a whole different. That's a problem for the Florida Panthers podcasters to talk about more so than than us. So I, I guess for the Rangers, uh, be happy that Bobrovsky did that for you. Uh, late Christmas present, late late holiday present for them, but. If you if the goalie is less bad, then you need to find more creative ways to score five on five. Trying to force passes and trying to to get the pretty play going at five on five is not going to work against pretty much any team in the NHL. I mean, it might work against like Montreal or teams that that don't have a, a great defensive system because they're just not a very good hockey team. But even against middling teams, that that's just not gonna that's not gonna fly. And the the power the power play needs to either get better or like what are the, what are the two things that needs to happen for them offensively? Either the power play becomes the top power play in the NHL, no questions asked at all times. Like this is McDavid Drysaddle level of power play output, or start scoring five on five more consistently. That's it. That's that's the end of the sentence. If the Rangers don't do one of those two things, then it's curtains. Yeah, I mean, and it sounds very simple, like basic to reduce it to that, but that's really what it comes down to. I mean, you need to score three to four goals every night if you want a good chance of winning most nights. Yes, having Igor helps. If you want to say you need three every night, you still got to find a way to score three goals, and you're not getting that a lot at five-on-five. When the five-on-five goal producers are Kreider's producing at five-on-five, not on the power play, which to the detriment of the power play isn't as good, you're getting Jimmy Vesey goals, you're getting Julian Gauthier goals, you are not getting a lot of Zabinijad and Panarin and Trocek at five on five. You are not getting a ton from the kids at five on five because they're not getting a lot of ice time. And it's reducing it all to a math problem of can we score three goals while only conceding two? It sounds very, very simple. But when you reduce it to that, that's what you're trying to do every night. Can you find a way to consistently score three to four goals against bad defensive teams like Florida? That's not an issue. They got five. Against Tampa, they got one. And Tampa's not a great defensive team. Yes, that's mostly because uh, Vasilevsky's outstanding. You still got to be able to beat good goalies because when you get to the playoffs, you are going to play the Vasilevskys of the world. You are going to play the very good goaltenders of the world when you get there. And you're going to have to be able to play against different styles of teams because you're going to be against good teams in the playoffs. And it's great that they've gotten out of the funk and now we're more worried about Okay, let's make the playoffs. What can they do once they get there as opposed to are they going to fire the coach? And no matter what, I I know there will always be the contingent of people who say, well, if this isn't the right coach, get the right coach in here. You and I have talked about this ad nauseum over the last couple months. None of the retread coaches are particularly enticing or going to change anything all that dramatically to improve what's wrong with the team right now. They won't fire the coach in season. If they miss the playoffs, I could see maybe they get rid of Gallant and bring somebody else in after the season, but that's only if they miss the playoffs. Right now, I just need to find offense. That is what this team needs very badly. And they need, I I think realistically, the biggest, the obvious answer here is they need to find combinations that better suit everybody's skill sets because they've been playing Trocek with Panarin for most of the season. And those two guys don't complement each other. Trocek is a volume guy who needs to be down low, 
banging the puck towards the net, playing below the goal line. And Panarin is a finesse guy. He wants that cross-seam pass. He's looking always for somebody to set up to make a better play and for guys who are able to play off of him. That's not really working. I liked what they were doing when they had Zabinijad with Panarin. I would like to see Hedl with Panarin. I would like to see Trocek with Kreider again at some point if they go away from KZK as the first line. I would like to see Lafreniere with Trocek and just find a way to get the secondary scoring going because they need. I don't think the coach is going to be willing to change the personnels on the power plays, which is the only real solution at this point with the power play not executing is, okay, you need a left-handed guy opposite Zabinijad on the one-timer. Okay, so you're going to take Panarin off? I'm okay with that. Have Panarin at the point instead of Truba on the second power play. Evenly distribute the power play time between the two. Be willing to try something different on the power play. It it has it just hasn't worked this year. And I don't think the difference of Trocek to Strom skill set wise is enough to make that a real different, a real tangible difference that it's this much worse than last year's. I think teams are cued into how they want to play. They're not adjusting. Change the personnel so that way you don't have to worry about the players adjusting and unlearning behavior. Because like we were saying before about they like to overpass, they've been doing this forever. It's really hard to get these guys to change their behaviors once they're already ingrained in them. The thing, and I tweeted this out last week as well on my personal account at Chelney Andrew, C-H-E-L-N-E-Y Andrew, is that the problem with the Rangers firing Gallant, and you mentioned this, is, okay, well, who do they bring in? Because the 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 pretty name, the, the biggest name is Barry Trotz, and we talked about this before, that Barry does a lot of the same lineup decisions that, that Gallant does that people don't appreciate, that people don't find really all that great. So, okay, well, Trotz is... is kind of the same thing as Gallant and the, why why fire Gallant at that point. Okay, well, the Rangers aren't going to hire a new name because they want someone that is experienced and a veteran to lead them to the promised land. They are not going to try this new person to 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 take over a playoff team and all of a sudden win 16 games and and then win and then lift the cup in June. The Rangers aren't going to do that either. Okay, so that's kind of the Rangers are between a rock and a hard place in terms of their head coach because if they if they do if the Rangers like lose the next five in a row for example and and Gallant is is out they need someone to replace him with saying that you want Gallant fired and actually having a good idea of someone to bring in is two different things. These are not the same things because as much as we like to to highlight what Gallant is doing improperly and and what kind of the, the more the more baffling decisions that he's made throughout his tenure as a, as a Rangers head coach, the one thing that you have to look at is, okay, well, if he's gone, who do you hire? The, the biggest name is Barry Trotz, but he does a lot of the same things that Gallant does. So there's no, there's kind of a reason to bring him in. And okay, okay so so now what? Who's your is you know Penn's gonna fire Paul Maurice so that the Rangers can hire him? Like he's gonna ha- he's gonna coach his, his 18th team in the NHL and 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 get no results out of out of them too. Like what you 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 need more than just the idea of a of a fire. You need to you need some someone to bring in, and the Rangers won't go after a new name that hasn't coached at the NHL level. Maybe if it was five years ago, instead of hiring David Quinn, they would have tried someone else. Maybe maybe that would have gotten them a d- down a different path. But right now, they tried David Quinn. That was an experiment. I got to say, that was one of the experiments of all time. And then you and now you hire Gerard Gallant, who has his own share of faults and who's been coaching an inconsistent team. OK, will you fire him? You don't you don't have a name right now. I'm open to ideas. I'm open to suggestions. That's that. That's not Barry Trotz. But right now, like I, I Mark Messe isn't coaching this team. Like there's, there's, it's not happening. I know the the pipe dream is to get Mark Messier and Wayne Gretzky and all these guys behind the Rangers bench, and you you bring the whole the whole '94 Cup team, just put them on the bench, and you'll win eight cups in a row. Maybe, maybe in your dreams, but realistically, like that's not how coaching works. No, and that's the and that's what it's it's very easy to say things. Andrew and I have been saying 
for basically the entire season. There is no obvious solution. If we had one, we would propose one to you guys. Sure. We we can identify what the problems are, but the solutions are not straightforward and obvious. It is going to take trial and error and experimentation and figuring out who plays better with who and what players need to be used in what situation. That is something we have been asking for, to try things instead of just doing the same thing over and over again. At some point, you would think the professional head coach would acknowledge, hey, what I'm doing isn't working. Let me see what else we can do other than just juggling the lines back to what he feels comfortable with. Because that's the issue here. It's not that he's not trying things. It's that he is just doing what he feels safe with. He is putting Gaudreau in the top six. He is demoting the kids' ice time. He is finding ways to try and turn every game into a 0-0, 1-0 kind of game because that's the type of game he feels the Rangers can win because more the, the Rangers have high-end talent. The Rangers have more high-end talent than most teams. That's the ideal game state for the Rangers. They want to be in those close, cl- really close games where the goaltending can keep them in it. All they need is one play from Panarin, one play from Zabinijad, one play from Kreider. They win the game. That was the entire playoff run last year was hang around long enough in the game. Shesterkin keeps us in it. Let's get one big goal. We can win three to two, four to three, and we'll be all right. We're not there yet. We still need to get the in-between part before we start worrying about the playoff formula. They still have to make the playoffs. And this week, you got Carolina, who's very good. You've got the Devils on Saturday, who are okay, good, not amazing. And then you've got Montreal sprinkled in between. And the Canadians aren't very good, but the Rangers just don't play well in Montreal for whatever reason. They haven't, like, ever. Just, like, as long as I've been following hockey, the Rangers just never play well at the Bell Center. So this week will be interesting. I I really am curious to see how they play against Carolina because Carolina's fast. They forecheck aggressively. They'll pressure the Rangers into making mistakes, especially in their own end defensively. So I'm very curious. This is a good test week for the Rangers. I know we said that last week because you played Washington for the first time and you played Tampa, who's a very good team. This is a really good week to see what the Rangers are really going to be about because they've got a couple days off sprinkled in here. It's every other day, so you'll get three Shesterkin starts unless they want to go to Halak for whatever reason. Put together three consistent games in a row. You don't have to win all three, but put together a consistent effort in three straight games. That's my goal for the week. The Rangers need five points. The Rangers need five out of six points in the next three games. They absolutely unequivocally need to beat Montreal no matter what. No matter what, they need two points out of that game. Again, the the more points you give up, as we talked about earlier on the season, the more points you give up to bad teams, the harder it'll be to collect points against the good teams. You You need to beat Montreal at all costs. I don't care in what fashion hopefully in regulation that would be great that would be very cash money of them to do so for for tie for you know tiebreaker purposes and all these things regulation wins count the most so you need to you need to bank those and montreal doesn't need the points per se so just you know you should you should win in regulation carolina's what 11 in a row 11 in a row also i will be there against carolina so if you are going to be there let me know drop me a line DM tweet whatever I will I will be at the game. The Rangers are twenty nine and two when I'm at Madison Square Garden, and one of those two losses was against the Hurricanes last season. So I will be there for the revenge game, and this is where the Rangers will break that eleven game in a row win streak for them. Hopefully, hopefully I'm 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 putting my my record on the line here for the for for this ridiculous inconsistent team that shows up sometimes and then doesn't other times so fingers crossed for that but for the and you so you you play the carolina tomorrow a team that as you said that really solid team obviously they've won 11 in a row they're firing at all cylinders uh kochetkov their goalie has been playing amazing i think he just won rookie of the month or something like that like he's he's been on fire montreal terrible team you got it you got to get two points out of them and against new New jersey new jersey's been on free fall they have looked really bad for for a few weeks now and they i i don't really know how to read them like they can they can show up and look good again because it's the rangers and the rangers could on any given night make anybody look good because they can't they they tend not to show up sometimes and they that makes teams look much better than they really are or the rangers can actually show up and 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 put some goals up on the board and this could be a hockey game. Like the Rangers, the, two of the three games are must wins in terms of 
standing positioning. And the other game is really important to win because the team that you're playing is a dumpster fire and you need to collect points in any way, shape, or form that you can. If you lose in, in overtime or whatever against New Jersey or against Carolina, that makes sense and that's that's a, a, something that, that is acceptable, I guess. But like these these are points that you desperately, desperately need to to, to get against these teams and the Rangers can get six points here Five is is the low mark that they need that they need to hit. This is a must need hit that the Rangers need to have. Yeah, no, that, that's the thing here. We're running out of games. We're about that midway point now. You really need to be getting four out of every six to be safe. To be safe, to keep pace with the teams around you, you're going to need to keep rattling off four and five points out of six point possible point stretches. All right, let's do three stars. Get out of here. So you could go first, Andrew. So my three stars are Kapokako. He played really well against Florida. He had those couple of assists. He played well throughout the week. He looked really good against Florida. Those those passes that he made, they were crisp. They were on the tape. He he's looked really good. Yaro Halak also played very well against Florida. And when else am I going to give him a star? Then, you know, that if if I don't give him one now, so he gets one. He played really well. He kept the Rangers in the game for some of that for some of that. Like he, definitely. He, he played well. Like he de- he deserves a star. Obviously, Shirkin is going to get the star more frequently and all these things, and he's the star forever and always. But for this week, Yaro Halak. Played well against Florida. He deserves it. Lafreniere, you're doing great, sweetie. Like, like we, it's just one of those things where we, where we talked about earlier, where he has, he's a number one overall pick, yeah, but he has none of the amenities, and so he's trying his best to to make do of the situation. And we got a tweet because I posted, you know, like if you have any questions or pie recipes yeah. that you wanna that you wanna tweet at us or whatever, then you know we'll we'll mention at the at the show. And someone someone said, uh, if you're concerned that. If if we're concerned that Lafreniere's favorite pie recipe includes smelling salts, and the answer is no, because he has that dog in him. Yeah, very straightforward. Very very straightforward. I'm not worried about Lafreniere. I'm not worried about Kako. I'm not worried about Heedle. A little worried about Kravtsov, but that's just because they don't know what they want to do with him. I mean, he's playing okay in the spurts he has been playing. He's been good since the last healthy scratch he got. But my three, I've got Schneider, I've got Key, both really good in the last week and a half. Keandre starting to find that rhythm that we saw last year, especially down the stretch and into the playoffs, where covering for a lot of Truba's mistakes, breaking up two-on-ones, using that long reach to be in every single place at once. Kako, like you said, two really good assists. I think he has nine points in his last 11 games, something like that. He's been playing really well the last couple weeks. Very straightforward stuff from us. Okay. Three games this week. We'll talk to you guys next week. Make sure you are subscribed to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're on all the major podcasting platforms. If you prefer video, we are on YouTube. We're live every Monday, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube on those platforms. On social, Liberty Blue Pod on Twitter and Instagram. My personal handle is Nick Zararis, Nick Z-A-R-A-R-I-S. Andrews is Chelney Andrew, C-H-E-L-N-E-Y. We will see you guys next week. Hope everybody had a good new year. We'll see you guys then. Later.